Yesterday, it was the crude oil market. The WTI futures curve found itself a few pennies back into contango. Not a good sign at all, especially given all the fundamental factors that otherwise make it seem like oil, should, oil prices should be rising. And more than that, the futures curve should be nowhere near contango. And yet here we sit today, and the front, the front two contracts are now more than a dime into contango. So it's actually spreading as oil prices fall all on the curve. Now today we get an even bigger warning sign potentially, and one that has us asking the question, is the dollar bull back? Remember last year, one of the most striking and destructive aspects of the buildup to what happened this year was the dollar's seemingly unstoppable rise, and then it's sort of reversal, and now maybe it's back again. When the dollar goes up, that's not a good sign for anyone, including those on the other side of it, which it's it, right now it's a couple key ones, a big one, in fact. And with this one uh, crossing this particular threshold, it has us searching for answers, answers that were actually provided by a fellow by the name of Ben Bernanke. But not Ben Bernanke today, the Nobel laureate, Ben Bernanke of 2002, more than 20 years ago. It was his famous, I have a printing press speech, or famous to people my age who remember it. Because of the, the conditions at the time, the stock markets were still declining. The US economy was struggling to get out of the mild dot-com recession. And many central bankers, not understanding the monetary situation, which they don't, they thought, well, the danger here is maybe this mild dot-com recession combined with the stock market declining leads us into something Ben Bernanke called a deflationary recession. And what Bernanke's point was that should the U.S. ever face such a circumstance, the central bank, the Federal Reserve, would use its printing press and make sure that a deflationary recession never happened. Of course, just five years later, less than five years later, it actually did. But how would we know that we're risking something like a deflationary recession? Let's go to Mr. Bernanke over 20 years ago. However, a deflationary recession may differ in one respect from normal recessions in which the inflation rate is at least modestly positive. Deflation of sufficient magnitude may result in the nominal interest rate declining to zero or very close to zero. As you know, regular viewers of this channel know, We've been talking about what? Forward rate markets that are projecting rates going down substantially, which would make us think deflationary recession. But a deflationary recession is not gonna be a US problem. It's going to be a globally synchronized problem, in particular, vulnerable, vulnerable places around the world. So we've got WTI going further into contango. That's about not supply, but concerns over demand, and the third fundamental, concerns about liquidity, which is the same thing that, what, that drives the U.S. dollar higher, in particular, as we see in these episodes, against China's yuan. Yesterday and now today, in particular, China's yuan below 7 to, seven to the dollar. In fact, it's down to almost 7.05 to the dollar and seemingly screaming lower. But why? Most people say it's interest rate differentials. That's what you hear from economists and from most of the media. Although the media today, I think, gets this one right. The dollar bull may be back. Contango on the crude curve. 
deflationary recession using Ben Bernanke's own words. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Uradala University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you are interested, Uradala University has memberships available where we go into the euro dollars behind the u.s dollar exchange value what this stuff actually means what it is and how it matters and why it matters so much not just to the chinese nor just the indians and japanese and koreans that we might talk about today but everyone in europe as well as the united states you need to know what's going on in the dollar system in order to know what's going on in america we also have research subscriptions available we're going to the same sorts of topics if from a different angle and a different purpose. The daily briefing I do in partnership with MarketsInsiderPro.com. That's Stephen Van Meter, Tracy Schuchart, and myself. A daily deep dive analysis where we dive deep into these topics, especially those that relate to money and macro and how money relates to macro and how macro comes out of money. All of the information about memberships and research subscriptions available for you, eurodollar.university. Now, before diving into the dollar mechanics, we should point out that the forward rates markets and the current rates markets have backed up a little bit from their extreme positions earlier in the month, which is nothing new, nothing abnormal, because that's how markets work. They often fluctuate back and forth. We saw the same thing happen in the middle of April, where, for example, the two-year U.S. Treasury yield had fallen very low in March and then came back almost to 430 again before falling all over again late April into early May. Right now, as I speak, we're back closer to that level, to the mid-April peak. At the same time, we see some of the forward rate indications well off their extremes, but still at extremes. They're just not as extreme as they were a couple weeks ago. So the markets are still saying that rates are going down. There's just less urgency, which makes sense because we aren't talking about PacWest and other U.S. regional bank failures at the moment. Instead, the focus appears to be shifting to other places around the world, other places that might be exhibiting substantial weakness, substantial weakness that can create systemic liquidity issues too. Of course, I'm talking about China because China has been the big story. Well, maybe the second biggest story, but before mid-March, it was the big story, China reopening. I don't think it's possible to overstate how much that, how important that was to not just the global economy, but also to the monetary system. The monetary system needed something to start going right after all the stuff that went wrong last year, including everything that was priced into the US dollar going much higher. And again, what is that? Most people say it's interest rate differentials, but if you throw up a chart of China's yuan, what you'll see is that it doesn't correlate with US dollar exchange rate, or not exchange rate, interest rates. So we have the U.S. two-year treasury as a middle-term interest rate. I've also included here the U.S. three-month benchmark rate, which moves much more closely aligned with Federal Reserve policy. So we've got short-term interest rates as well as the Fed policy. There's no correlation here whatsoever. You know what is highly correlated with China's yuan? Japan's yen, which is a warning sign about not just China, but the spillover effects of China's reopening failing, as well as what that does to the global monetary system and how that impacts conditions in it, liquidity, everything else. And you don't have to take my word for it. In this case, at least in this short run case of China's Yuan falling down towards seven and below seven again in recent days, let's go to a mainstream outlet. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg said just yesterday 
We had thought that stronger sentiment thanks to China's abrupt reopening and the subsequent improvement in some economic data points would strengthen the yuan, but this has not materialized, according to Kiong Xiong, lead Asia macro strategist at Societe Generale's Hong Kong branch. The threshold for market players to position for a stronger yuan turned out to be much higher than we expected. No, it turned out that China's reopening wasn't really that big. And as I mentioned in previous videos, the dollar market, rates markets, pretty much every financial markets had doubts about reopening going back to January, not recently. The data we got this week and last week too, merely confirmed suspicions, not just suspicions, but what was being observed by Euro dollar participants on the ground as things were unfolding in January and particularly February when they were not going in the way everybody in the mainstream media were still saying it was happening. Positive, huge reopening boost. It was gonna save the world from recession where dollar market participants using knowledge that we could only hope to ever achieve, close contacts to those that are actually acting out inside the economic and monetary system, we knew it wasn't going well. We knew it wasn't going well, just not just by CNY, but also rates markets and things like Japanese government bonds. But let's go back to Bloomberg one more time. About six months after China abruptly ended its COVID, COVID curbs, Optimism over the rebound in the nation's economy that had buoyed yuan assets is now running into a reality check. Yes, that part is true. The currency has fallen more than 4% from its high in January. In January, this is several months old now, as traders lose patience with the lackluster economic data. No, they're not losing patience with the lackluster economic data. The lackluster economic data is confirming everyone's suspicions that, the, that China is in trouble and therefore the rest of the world is in trouble. And if the rest of the world really is in trouble, we go back to Ben Bernanke, deflationary recession potential. The deflationary recession potential that gets priced into forward rates going down to zero and the US dollar exchange value skyrocketing, potentially skyrocketing. Though we see here over the last couple of days, China's yuan sinking fast, as well as Japan's yen. Those two absolutely do correlate very strongly, and they have correlated very strongly since last March, right when everything, right when the feces and the fans started to get closer together, very close proximity. The oil price spike in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, food price spike in the wake, in the wake of the same thing, which made the global economic situation, therefore the monetary situation, that much more tenuous and even dangerous. So it makes sense that all of these things would correlate together. Again, Ben Bernanke even knew this back in 2002. I, don't, I think he knows it now. He just, having worked at the Fed for so long, it doesn't make as much, much difference to him. But yield curve inversion way back in March of 2022, China's yuan, which had been relatively steady from late 2021 into 2022, suddenly started to plummet. And then it started to correlate very strongly now for more than a year with Japan's yen, which Japan just so happens to be a major supplier of dollars for China. These things are all related. And we also saw one thing recently that correlates over this, this, this January turn out of reopening optimism into potentially the deflationary recession 
long-term Japanese government bond yields. The Japanese government bond yields should be rising, rising precipitously, and they were rising up until January. The 20-year JGB as well as the 30-year JGB, that's that's the part of the curve where the, the Bank of Japan isn't buying. The Bank of Japan puts all of its tension on the 10-year, which is, that yield is down too, but let's focus on the long end of the curve because that's a little bit more freely floating, a little bit more freely floating. And what, what it takes to swap out of JGBs or to get Japanese financial institutions to swap out of low-yielding JGBs into something like U.S. Treasuries or some other sovereign government bond around the rest of the world that has the same risk characteristics but a much better nominal return. It takes dollars, which means it's going to cost you something to swap out of yen into dollars to swap to, to get rid of your JGBs and buy some other uh, uh, foreign government uh, asset denominated in a different currency. So if rates around the rest of the world on, on government bonds are rising and the dollar costs are relatively reasonable, sell the JGBs, buy something else. And so what you saw last year was in some cases, JGB yields rose a little bit, but that all stopped around January, which suggests either Japanese financials were a little more attractive, thinking that JGBs were a little more attractive, maybe as a flight to safety, given what's going on in China reopening, but more likely, or a combination more likely, that dollars have become more expensive, especially around that part of Asia, and especially as the dollar marketplace has realized that China reopening is coming up way, 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 way short. It's fall. It's not even coming up short. It's, it's failing to really materialize. And as it does, dollars become more expensive. The economic situation becomes more uncertain. Buy and hold your long-term JGBs instead of swapping into something else. That's why these things correlate too. And JGB yields, these longer term, the 20 and 30 year, again, the, the 10 year to a certain extent, but the 20 and 30 year JGBs, those are falling too. Deflationary recession warnings from Japan. One last one I think we should look at. Um, I'll note the Korea, uh, Korean won because that's another one that correlates relatively well. That one just hit a multi-month low this week. It's up a little bit last couple of days. But Korea, another one that's heavily exposed to China's economic conditions. Dollars are getting tight for Koreans too. That's what we when we talk about dollar going up in exchange value, the the currency on the other side going down, and especially if that forces central banks to intervene, as it has almost constantly in India. India is a country that's interesting, and it's a currency and financial situation that's interesting because otherwise you wouldn't expect to be you wouldn't expect India to be in this situation. Their economy is actually holding up really well. Their affairs have been run relatively in relative stable fashion. Yet they have this major currency problem, which forces the Reserve Bank of India to almost constantly intervene to keep the rupee from falling below around $82.52, really closer to $82.70. But either way, with the strength in the U.S. dollar, meaning dollar short is rising again across Asia, we got word that yes, we believe the Reserve Bank of India just today was intervening in the market. Uh, here's, a, here's a quote from Reuters. Uh, it looks like RBI, Reserve Bank of India, decided to step in, which is not a big surprise. It is a big surprise 
if you think about the fact that the Reserve Bank of India shouldn't be stepping in whatsoever, because if everything is fine, the economy's holding up, dollars are relatively plentiful to get on, on the markets, especially for a country like India, there would be no reason for the Reserve Bank of India to sell dollars, because that's what it does. In the language of traders, it is selling dollars to buy rupees. And by selling dollars and buying rupees, you hope to firm up the price of the rupee against the dollar. Fewer rupees in circulation, more dollars supplied, given a, what is always talked about as a high demand for dollars. When it's, what if it's not demand for dollars? What if it's tight supply? And instead of the Reserve Bank of India selling dollars, what if the Reserve Bank of India is being backdoor forced into supplying dollars at a price the euro dollar market doesn't seem to want to. So when we see direct interventions like this or contingent liability interventions, or what is it the Indians call it? Net forward assets. Whenever they use swaps or some other form of manipulation to try to intervene in the market, what they're really doing is supplying dollars or subsidizing local dollar borrowing because dollars are becoming hard to come by. That is the unifying theme for everything that we've been talking about, including WTI Contango, China's Yuan blasting past seven to the dollar, and now 705, maybe what maybe lower. I haven't checked recently. Japanese yen, Japanese long-term government bond yields. At least when we look at the Asian part of the Euro dollar system, it's getting really, really dicey. Maybe even deflationary recession dicey. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, massive thank you. Eurodollar University research subscribers, marketsinsiderpro.com research subscribers, and my love and thanks to all you Eurodollar University members. Until next time, take care.